Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Welcome to the Half a Bird Sports Show. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to ride with us, and we appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. As always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. So today, I will discuss the college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday. I made up all of these show topics honestly it was a slow news day thursday night raiders charges so who lost yesterday Kawhi is the king it must be april fool's day frozen five picks i'm a call today wednesday and good to have y'all in today half a bird sports show solo weekends friday november 8th 2019 giving you the latest and greatest in sports and sports news in 30 minutes or less you know it's funny how fast the tables can turn on an individual case in point Kawhi Leonard steal the finals MVP second ring took down his second dynasty with the Clippers orchestrated the whole thing Kawhi's or Soze and over the last few days he's come under fire for quote-unquote load management and I guess he and the Clippers have come under fire for that the reason why if you don't know is on Wednesday the Clippers had a home game versus Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks and Kawhi Leonard sat that game out with the team citing uh, knee issues, needing to rest his knee. But then he played the very next day against the Portland Trailblazers and led them on a fourth-quarter victory. He looked great. But in between that, the NBA fined the Clippers because Doc Rivers made comments in regards to uh, Kawhi Leonard and how he felt. This was after the game on Wednesday. Basically, they were fined $50,000 because the NBA said Doc Rivers made comments that were inconsistent with Kawhi Leonard's health, or at least in terms of the released reason why he was sat in Wednesday Wednesday's game. Basically, what Doc Rivers said was that, oh, he feels great. He looks great. You know, he mentioned nothing about his knee. He talked about how, you know, um, you know, we're on his side. We're going to do what's best for him, etc. But the point was, he said Kawhi was great, whereas the team that day said he was sitting because of a knee issue. So do you really have a knee issue if you sit on Wednesday and then you come out on Thursday and you look great after your coach just said the day before that you look great? So that has a lot of people sort of weighing in on this issue of load management, of stars especially resting when they're really not injured, resting during primetime games that are on ESPNs or other networks. 
So this week, you know, we've already heard from, you know, I saw an article from Michael Jordan who said that his his players are paid to play 82 games. Uh, in the past, Russell Westbrook has talked about he doesn't even understand the concept of load management because if I can play, why would I not play? I'm a basketball player. And Giannis this week also said that he's against load management and that he wants to play. And it's kind of interesting about Giannis as an aside in the sense that He's come out against building super teams and talking about wanting to build a great team there in Milwaukee. And they look like they might be on their way to doing that. So since his free agency is coming up next year, it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks to that, stays in Milwaukee, or decides to move on. And it's going to be interesting to see if at some point down the line, maybe when he's a little bit older like Kawhi, if he decides to put himself in the load management program as well, or if he will stick to what he said, which was, I want to play. You know, I'm not in favor of load management. But I think the reason why people have gotten so upset about this with Kawhi, with stars resting, um, especially this early in the season, is that there are actually three different types of load management. And only one of these types of load management are people really upset about. So you have what I would call proper load management in the sense of you start resting players near the end of the season when, let's say, your playoff seeding is all but locked or if you're mathematically out of the playoffs and you're not going to be able to get in and just getting guys healthy because the NFL does this in week 16 and 17 when they kind of have a really good idea of what their playoff seeding is going to be or if they're locked into it, like if a team is locked into winning the division but they can't get one of those two uh, first-round buys, then they will sit their, their star players in order to get them healthy and rested leading into the playoffs. So we've seen that before, which is kind of funny because what the NFL does in order to offset teams doing that is they will schedule divisional games for each team, like the last one to two weeks of the season. And that, in a sense, sort of ups the ante and kind of forcing them to have to play in some of those games because winning the division can be the difference between making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. So you have proper load management. The second is regular load management. This is where a player is coming back from from an injury and you're wanting to manage their minutes. So you're not going to want to put them out there for 35 to 38 minutes like they were playing prior to the injury because that increases the possibility of re-injury as they're trying to get themselves back into game shape and get themselves psychologically healthy where they believe in whatever injured body body part that they have is going to be fully healthy. So you give them a little extra rest in between as they – sort of work themselves up to playing their usual level of minutes. So that's to me, that's regular load management. The one that has everybody pissed is what I'm going to call overload management. This is where you're resting guys, healthy guys, early in the season like Kawhi and the Clippers have been and lying about injuries in order to do it because clearly his knee is fine if he can come out the very next day and put it on Damian Lillard in Portland. Um, So that's the one that has people really pissed off early in the season and I know what some people will say what some people talk about when it comes to load management is you know what about the fan who bought tickets two months ago and they're coming from out of town and they have hotel rooms and this is their one opportunity to see Kawhi Leonard their one opportunity to see LeBron James etc and honestly my stance on that is I understand where you're coming from but you also have to understand that these players they don't care about you and your tickets and your travel arrangements just like honestly You don't really care about them. If they weren't great, if they weren't spectacular, if they weren't helping your team to win, you really wouldn't care about them either. So nobody at the end of the day really cares about anybody. So you can't expect them to want to play just because of that. So I understand that, but you have to go into this with reasonable expectations. And, uh, you know, 
it is overload management that's really pissing people off. And I don't like it either because early in the season, you've had a full offseason in order to get yourself healthy, to get yourself right. But I think Kawhi, he's more brittle than people think. I mean, he limped his way through that finals. And had there been a game seven against Golden State, I don't know if he would have been able to play. As a matter of fact, he joked about that walking up to uh, one of the interviews at the end of that game six where they had won. He did an interview with uh, Kyle Lowry, and he was joking about that. He really wasn't supposed to say that on camera. He didn't think he was um, he was mic'd up, but the mic picked it up, and he was joking about that. But, yeah, he's pretty brittle, so maybe he does need this early load management. But I don't like it either. I don't like overload management, but I understand proper load management and regular load management. So I do this every other week, uh, the Heisman Watch, where I try to predict who will be the three top Heisman candidates who will be there in New York for the Heisman ceremony, as well as ranking them from three to two to one, while also giving you an honorable mention. So this is this week's Heisman Watch. Up first, we're going to go with the honorable mention, Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. He is currently second in QBR in college football with 24 passing touchdowns, only one pick, which is fantastic. He's third in total QBR. I'm sorry, uh, just contradicting myself there. It's a misread there. Yeah, second in QBR. And actually, I think it is third. Oh, well, who cares? Uh, he's got 33 total touchdowns because he's also a really good runner. So Justin Fields is going to come in as this week's honorable mention. Number three, we have Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma. They were idle last week, but they're coming off of a bad loss to K-State. He was great in that game, but that really knocks down his Heisman status, losing to an unranked Kansas State. So he is uh, second in QBR, which must mean that Justin Fields is third. <laughs> and Jalen, what sets him apart, as I've been saying this whole season, is that he's a very good runner, 801 rushing yards, 34 total touchdowns, if you include passing and rushing. So he comes in at number three this week. Number two, and this is going to get interesting. Pay attention to this. Chase Young, defensive end for Ohio State, has captured a piece of the narrative. They're calling him the best player in college football. Mel Kuyper's calling him the best draft prospect. He's playing for the number one team, just like Justin Fields, with 13 and a half sacks. But there was a news story that came out this morning as I was preparing to record this show that he has been suspended by the NCAA for the team's game on Saturday against Maryland due to possible violations. Uh, these violations haven't been released in terms of what it is, but it could be anywhere from, I don't know, from impermissible benefits to usually something around that. So pay a close attention to that to see if he ends up only sitting out this game or another or the rest of the season. And this will definitely have an impact on Ohio State's bid to win the national championship. But either way, he comes in at number two. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, and I will re-rank him accordingly if need be. Number one, no surprise, Joe Burrow, quarterback for LSU. 78% completion on pace to break Colt McCoy's completion percentage record. He's got 11 touchdowns and one pick when he's under pressure. That is fantastic. 30 total touchdowns, only four picks. And this week, I'm going to talk about this later on on Saturday, in Tuscaloosa, he's got a chance to solidify and lock up the Heisman depending upon how he plays against Alabama. So, recap, honorable mention, Justin Fields. Number three, Jalen Hurts. Number two, Chase Young. And number one, Joe Burrow. So we'll see how that shakes out for college football this weekend. All right, let me get the, let me get to the NFL. Uh, and your boy Cam Newton, you know, he's never really been one of my favorite quarterbacks, but I, I have enjoyed watching him play. I think he has the best cadence in football. Only a football junkie would know what I'm talking about. And he's been injured for 
pretty much just about the entire season. Uh, he went on IR this week, effectively ending his season due to lingering issues with his foot injury uh, that actually happened in the preseason and that was re-aggravated early in this season. And it has people wondering out loud, should it be over for Cam Newton and Carolina? Should they both move on from each other? And I think that, yes, absolutely, they should move on. As a matter of fact, you will recall earlier this season, I said, you know, when it looked like Kyle Allen was a competent quarterback, to go ahead and try to trade Cam Newton. Just, um, you know, I think he's – I can't recall if he's got one more year on the books for Carolina or not, but either way, this is a good time to trade him, move on from him, move on with this quarterback because the offense did look better with him under center because he was a much more accurate passer than Cam Newton. And accuracy has never really been Cam Newton's strong suit. It's more so his athleticism, his arm strength. I think he is a good leader, and I think he is a good quarterback. But I think it is time to move on because there are better circumstances out there for Cam Newton because – just off the top of my head, I thought of four teams who we already know are going to be looking for quarterbacks next year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chicago Bears, the Tennessee Titans, and the Cleveland Browns. And I actually have a question mark next to the Bucks, depending upon how Jameis plays these final seven to eight games of the season. But we'll see. But most people have them on there as moving on from Jameis Winston and looking for a quarterback next year, whether that's through the draft or whether that's through free agency. So if I'm Cam Newton... I want to go to the Bucks because this, there's so many, so many positive factors of playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that people may not know about because they're they're, you know, in Florida. Nobody really talks about them that much. I know Jay's a big fan. I like the Bucks. I have Jameis on multiple fantasy teams, and part of the reason why I do is because they have great wide receivers. Mike Evans, great wide receiver. Chris Godwin, great wide receiver. O.J. Howard, if they will let him run routes, great tight end. So they have offensive pieces that will make his job so much easier. That would be the best. Those would be the best skill position players that Cam Newton has ever played with um, in his receiving core. And I know he's got Christian McCaffrey, who's great, but still he's never had receivers like what the Bucks have. And he's playing for an offensive head coach and Bruce Arians. If he were to go to this team, because Rivera is more of a defensive coach in Carolina, and he's got a chance to play. And players love this. This would give him a chance to play against his former team twice a year and exact revenge on them over the next two to three seasons. And I love seeing that because that makes that football that much more interesting. But even better, because I know Cam Newton loves his money just like every other player in the NFL, and I would too, there's no state tax in Florida. So when you put up all of those factors and all of those benefits of being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, versus a Bear, a Titan, or a Bronco, then I'm going to the Bucks first. Second, I probably would go to Chicago because I love their defense. I think they have some talent on offense, but they don't look quite as good because Mitchell Trubisky has been struggling, and Matt Nagy proved last year, I think he was coach of the year last year, that he already knows how to coach offense. I don't know what the F is going on with them this season. I mean, people are putting the onus on Trubisky, but I'm going to Chicago, historic franchise. They always play hard, great fan base. So second, if I can't get to the Bucks, I want to get to Chicago. Third, kind of a toss-up between the Titans and the Broncos. It would be hard for me to go to the Broncos because those were the ones who punched me in the mouth repeatedly in front of the entire world in the Super Bowl. But I do like I do like Cortland Sutton. I do like the running backs. And I like Von Miller being the captain of that defense. And that defense has not quit this season. That's why the Denver Broncos keep on covering the spread. So I probably would say Broncos third, then Titans fourth. It's just... There's really not too much to love about the Titans. It's just that there's nothing that you really don't like about them. It's like, I don't like you, but I don't dislike you. So that would probably be fourth on my list. Um, but hey, Cam, if you're listening, 
definitely, definitely try to get to the Buccaneers. And, again, that's assuming that they move on from Jameis Winston. And they may or may not. So we'll see. So up next, my favorite segment to do every other week, my favorite segment that we do on the Half a Bird Sports Show, the Frozen Five, where we give you our five best NFL picks for Week 10. So without further ado, this is this week's Frozen Five. But first, we have the Lions at the Bears. The Bears are a minus two and a half point favorite, and I'm going to go ahead and take the Lions plus the two and a half. Um, Detroit is better than their record. They're better than what, than what people think. This team is seventh in yards per play, um, which is a stat that the wise guys in Vegas use. Chicago in yards per play is 30th. So they're not moving the ball, as we know, and Detroit is. Stafford actually leads the NFL in passing yards per game. And Mitchell Trubisky, we already know this too, is a bottom three quarterback. This Bears defense, even though they're still really good, they're running out of fuel. And they're running out of patience with Trubisky and that coaching staff. Part of the reason why is because this Bears team has lost four in a row. Four in a row straight up. They are one and three at home. I think this is a close game because this is a divisional game. But I think that the Lions are going to win this game 17 to 12. Ravens at the Bengals. The Ravens are a minus 10 point favorite. And I'm going to take the Ravens minus the 10. And why would I not? Because I'm afraid of Ryan Lindley? <laughs> Hell no. That number isn't high enough. This Bengals team, they have no juice. They have no A.J. Green, who's now out indefinitely because his ankle was re-aggravated. Their O-line is bad. Joe Mixon, who looked like one of the better running backs in football last year, can't do anything Baltimore is seven. This is another Vegas stat, DVOA. Um, Baltimore is seventh in DVOA, which makes them one of the best teams in football. Cincinnati, 30th in DVOA, which makes them one of the worst. And this, some will see this as a letdown spot off of an emotional victory against the New England Patriots. But I think that Harbaugh, being the good coach that he is, will not let this team relax. So the Ravens are going to win this fairly easily, 32-16. to 16. Next, we have the Chiefs at the Titans. The Chiefs are a minus three-and-a-half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Chiefs minus that three-and-a-half, which is too low because at the time this was released, Vegas was unsure if Patrick Mahomes was going to play, but it's looking like he will because he practiced in full on Wednesday. He practiced in full on Thursday. And the team cannot afford to drop another game as they're trying to keep pace with Baltimore and New England. And this Kansas City defense has improved in this last three games. Kansas City is third in total DVOA. And I think they may have found their confidence in their run game last week with Damian Williams breaking off that 91-yard touchdown on the way to 125 total rushing yards. So I think that Patrick Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill kind of speaks for itself in terms of what the smarter play is. I think it is going to be a close game. I don't think Mahomes is going to throw the ball all over the place, but I do think the Chiefs are going to win this game 23-17. to up next, one of the top two games of the week, we have the Vikings at the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. The Cowboys are a minus three-point favorite, and I'm going to take the Cowboys minus three. Um, Dak is 4-0 and versus Kirk Cousins, which tells you what Kirk Cousins is against Dak. Uh, Dak, he's great in primetime. 14 career wins in primetime games, uh, the most of any quarterback since he came in the NFL. And the Vikings defense just allowed Matt Moore to push the ball down on the field on them down the field on them repeatedly in that game 
And Dallas, again, going back to yards per play, Dallas is number one in the NFL in yards per play at 6.7. But when you account just for Dallas's home games, that number jumps to 7.4 yards per play, which means that no team has been able to stop them moving the ball at home. Matter of fact, versus the spread, Dallas is 3-1 and one at home. So, again, it's going to be a close game because that Vikings defense plays hard every game. But I think the Cowboys do barely cover this spread, beating the Vikings 24-19. to 19. Up next, and this is probably the game of the week, the 7-1 Seattle Seahawks versus the 8-0 49ers. My 49ers, Monday Night Football in San Francisco. San Francisco is a minus 6.5 point favorite and doing something that I said I wasn't going to do because of what my team did to me last time. I'm going to take Seattle plus a six and a half. Never say you're not going to take a team, even if they make you mad, even if they screw you, because you never know what the situation will be and what the numbers will be that next week. So I'm taking Seattle plus a six and a half. Seattle has covered three of the last four on the road this season. So they're a really good road team versus the spread. And that Niner defense on Thursday Night Football, we just saw them. They just struggled against a mobile quarterback. And to me, the best mobile quarterback, or at least the top one of the top two mobile quarterbacks, is Russell Wilson. So I like that Seattle is eighth in yards per play. And Josh Gordon making his debut for this team is going to provide a little extra juice to that receiving core where you already have to worry about DK Metcalf taking the top off of your defense and Tyler Lockett eating you up underneath. And Chris Carson, their underrated running back, catching passes out of the backfield. So Russell Wilson, MVP candidate in his career, he's 11-3. and three versus the 49ers so obviously with two titans in the nfc it's going to be a close game but i'm picking seattle with the upset i mean my niners got to lose a game at some point and i think that this is the spot the seahawks have been better on the road than at home they're going to win this game 26 to 23 over my 49ers recap we're going to take the lions plus two and a half we're going to take the ravens minus 10 the chiefs minus three and a half the Cowboys minus three and the Seahawks plus six and a half. Whew. So play those games. This is probably the most confident I've been going into a frozen five week this season, primarily because of the quarterbacks who I guess I, I could say I've hitched my wagon to. So I like hitching my wagon to Matt Stafford, who leads the NFL in passing yards per game and Lamar Jackson, who's been all world and Patrick Mahomes last year's MVP and Dak Prescott, who's great in Dallas and who's, I think, who I think is a good quarterback, a better quarterback than people think, and Russell Wilson, who is on track to win the MVP this season. So feeling really confident about these picks. And as always, the OSG report, our resident fantasy expert, uh, be looking out for his report that we release on the website and on the Twitter page to give you the key insight, the key research, key stats that go into picking the players who are going to be the most productive this season in not only daily fantasy, but season long fantasy as well kind of helps you work the waiver wire to accumulate, um, you know, players to fill your bye weeks. So definitely pay attention to that. It has multiple uses. And, you know, we've said before that the OSG makes a lot of money off of his fantasy analysis. And he really does. A couple of weeks ago, uh, he showed Jay and I, uh, a contest that he was in and he was he was ranked like number two in that contest and it showed the payout of what he would get if he stayed in that number two slot and what the other slots around it were so I'll put it to you this way it was not in the hundreds so I'm telling you he knows what he's talking about so play pay attention to that port to that report play those games just like I do and make yourself a little bit of money 
All right, lastly, I hope you all didn't think I was going to forget about this. The game of the week, really the game of the year in college football is going to take place tomorrow that I've already kind of alluded to, LSU versus Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time, the number two team versus the number three team in the college football playoff rankings. Great players, great athletes on both sides of the ball. And the winner, since this is an SEC contest, has the best track to not only the SEC championship, but to the college football playoff. I mean, you have Nick Saban, the dark overlord, versus Ed Orgeron, the crazy Cajun. I mean, there is nothing to dislike about this game. And, you know, I realized something. That for all these factors going into this game, the O-lines, the D-lines, the linebackers, Crazy Ed, Nick Saban, the orchestrator, for all of these factors going into this game, this game, the outcome of it is going to come down to two people, and that's Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, or Mac Jones if he starts for Tua. It's looking like Tua is going to play, according to Nick Saban. Um, but you never know in these situations. But for right now, I'm going to say it's going to be Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa. That's who the game is going to come down to for all these factors, for the 100,000-plus fans that are going to be in the stadium, for the millions of people watching around the world. It's only going to come down to these two people. And I think great games like this in football always come down to one player versus another. And it's usually the quarterbacks because that's the one position that controls I guess, the largest piece of the pie when it comes to a game or its outcome than any other position in football, no matter the level. And it's interesting because I saw a parallel with movies. This same thing happens in movies where the outcome of just about every film comes down to a contest, a battle of wills really between two people, whether it's an action flick, sci-fi fantasy, um, comic book films, especially it always comes down to two people. Case in point, the highest grossing comic book film of all time. We know what it is. Avengers Endgame. And watching that movie, I'm not going to really spoil anything, but in that movie, for all the crap about time travel, about subatomic physics, pin particles, OB store, portals, wizards, Iron Man, you know, for all the characters in that movie, it came down to two people. In the end, the whole fate of the movie, the whole four-hour movie came down to two people, and that was Thanos versus Tony Stark. In that moment when it mattered the most, when the fate of the universe truly hung in the balance, who had the will and who had the intelligence to get the upper hand on their opponent? And, it, and we know how that ended up. If you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, definitely watch it. So just like that, that whole three-hour movie, all the moving parts, everything that happened in that movie, it came down to two people, just two. This game, LSU-Alabama, is the same way. It's going to come down to two people so it's going to come down to who doesn't commit that crucial turnover who gets that one third down conversion in the fourth quarter who picks up that one extra blitz who calls that one audible that you know gets that extra yard that makes that next third down just a little bit shorter who throws that first interception in the first half that swings momentum Who's it going to be? That's what it's going to come down to, I promise you. Watch this game, and at the end of it, you will know when that moment happened. You will be able to look, having watched the game and having looked at the box score, you will be able to see what it was that one quarterback did that the other didn't do or didn't do that the other quarterback did 
that led to that team winning. And then, however that turns out, that is going to you know, somewhat determine the landscape of what we see for the rest of the season. It's going to determine history. You know, every moment determines history, whether it's your life or whether it's this game. So that's exactly what I think is going to happen in this game. So I'm really excited about it. I know, I know that you are too. Um, and I know we will cover that heavily on the early show next week. Um, so I got time for one more topic before I slide out of here. Um, and I was kind of hesitant as to whether or not to even bring this up. But, you know, it is something that's being talked about today. So I'm going to talk about it as well. And I don't like talking about this individual. I did when this first started going. And, you know, it was interesting. It was bad. It was funny in spots. It was head scratching. But people can stop talking about it. Antonio Brown. Well, he's in the news again. Yesterday went on another Twitter rant where he basically cursed the league out, um, played the victim card, and said that he would never play in the NFL again. He hates the NFL. And then after having deleted those tweets shortly thereafter, he came back and said, I love football. I miss football. I want to play. Yet again, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And what the analysts have said is that that's very um, manic depressive of him is the term that they use, which is actually an antiquated term. They're talking about uh, bipolar disorder, which I'm, you know, most of you, if you listen to the show, you know exactly what bipolar disorder is. If not, uh, you can look it up when you have the time. So being someone who's worked in the mental health field for over a decade, so being in some position to kind of make this correction, um, and I'm going to do something on the show I've never done before. In a way, um, I'm going to suggest what may possibly be the more proper diagnosis in terms of what we've seen from Antonio Brown. Because I've said before, I said this early on at the very beginning of this, he needs help. All of this is a cry for help. Somebody, please help this man or Antonio, please decide to help yourself somehow, some way. And I mean, to this point, it doesn't seem like he has is he if he's still going back and forth with the league, making things worse for himself while he has these lawsuits and allegations still pending. But the one I would suggest more instead of bipolar disorder is a diagnosis not a lot of people know about, um, but it's one of the most difficult ones to to manage because it's a personality disorder. And that's borderline personality disorder. I think that what I've seen out of Antonio Brown, uh, his behavior tends to match more so some of the characteristics of borderline personality disorder than, say, bipolar disorder. I mean, in order to properly diagnose someone, let me tell you, you know, you have to get a proper sort of uh, background history of that individual, and there are a battery of assessments and tests you can use in order to give an accurate diagnosis of an individual. So this isn't me diagnosing him. This is me saying I've seen these kind of behaviors before in individuals who are dealing with this particular personality disorder. I don't know if this is what he's struggling with or not, but when he behaves this way, it makes me more so think of this than it does uh, bipolar disorder, um, which is you know difficult to deal with. Any type of um, you know mental illness that people, millions of people around the, the country struggle with, you know, as I as I know firsthand, um, is difficult to manage. It's difficult to deal with. So whatever it is, and whoever you are, uh, there's no sh- no shame in seeking help, um, even if it's uh, you know medical help in terms of medication, uh, therapy changing an environment, changing friends, whatever it is in order to get yourself healthy, definitely do that because Antonio Brown, you know, is a great football player. We all know that. And most people who know him say that he's a really good guy. Uh, But what he's done, what he's been doing over these last four to five months, uh, to them seems out of character. And it's really disheartening to see an individual, let alone a great football player, go through these things and do these things and make situations worse for them and have a bunch of yes men in their corner, as has also been said about Antonio Brown. So, um I don't know, maybe look into that as possibly a better description of what's going on with Antonio Brown. 
But either way, I think he needs help, so I hope he gets it. All right, well, I didn't meet my goal. I said 30 minutes or less. Looks like the show's going to top out at around 32. So I promise to uh, refund you those two minutes on the next show <laughs> coming up with my boy Jay. But anyhow, thank you for listening. Uh, Half a Bird Sports Show. To Mike, Bob, and Wendy, the entire production team, appreciate you listening to that. To my nephew, Tarot, to Florence Nightingale, to Bub, to uh, anyone who listens to the show and supports us, we appreciate that. To my co-host, Jay, always bringing the fire. Thank you for that. Uh, love yourself. Love somebody. Be good to yourself. Take some time to relax this weekend. Um, enjoy these games because we'll be talking about the latest and greatest in sports on the next show. So with that, it has been the Half a Bird Sports Show. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.